Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. Support also comes from Grandma's Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, January 19th. Coming up, what KCUR has discovered about an ongoing investigation of the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. Plus, as the coyote population in Kansas grows, hunting contests have sprung up as a way to remove potential threats to livestock with limited results. They're gonna survive, you know, no matter what we do. They're gonna be around forever. (laughs) We'll hear what makes these canines so resilient. But first, some headlines. Children's Mercy Hospital has started limiting its COVID-19 testing. The hospital did not receive its shipment of a necessary reagent used in testing, and it's unclear when it will show up. Dr. Jennifer Watts says this piles on the other hardships the hospital is facing. It has caused a lot of havoc in our institution um, because we do about 5,000 tests a week. And so we have had to drastically alter um, the tests that we are able to do. Children's Mercy says for now, it's suspending testing at emergency departments and urgent care facilities. Testing will be limited to clinical employees, patients scheduled for procedures, and admitted patients. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt says his office is finalizing lawsuits against school districts with mask mandates. He said the schools are defying a Cole County court's ruling in November, striking down regulations imposed by state and local health departments to curb the spread of COVID-19. The announcement comes just weeks after the Kansas City Council reinstated a mask mandate for people inside school buildings. Schmidt has filed several lawsuits against local governments, including Kansas City and Jackson County, that have issued COVID health orders. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas tweeted yesterday that the city will defend its orders in court if necessary. Kansas will stop COVID contact tracing on February 1st. Public health officials say they're overwhelmed and have trouble getting people to cooperate. The state's deputy health officer, Dr. Joan Duvey, says staff will now focus on working with people who have tested positive rather than those who may have been exposed. They may identify somebody who has nobody to bring them food um, for for the number of days they need to stay isolated. Um, So they may reach out to a a faith-based partner, a church, or a food pantry um, and, and arrange food for that individual. Doobie says people who test positive should still tell close contacts. She says quick contact tracing can help prevent future infections. The Jackson County Legislature withdrew an ordinance requiring mask mandates in schools following public debate at a meeting yesterday. KCUR's Solisa Kolakal has more. Legislator Scott Burnett moved to withdraw the ordinance with support from Crystal Williams and Dan Tarwater. None of them offered a reason. Jackson County Executive Frank White spoke in support of the mandate. As long as we politicize mask wearing, as long as we politicize mandates, We're never going to get out of this. A presentation from the Jackson County Health Department found that positive COVID cases in school-aged children are increasing. 
A Kansas City man recently released from prison 43 years after a wrongful conviction has filed a lawsuit alleging poor medical care behind bars left him needing a wheelchair. Here's KCUR's Luke Martin. Kevin Strickland and his attorneys have filed suit against Corizon LLC, the company that handles medical care for the Missouri Department of Corrections. The suit says procedures at two state-run correctional centers denied, delayed, and deferred his treatment for spinal stenosis and other neurological conditions. As a result, Strickland has lost much of his mobility and can only stand for brief periods of time. Strickland spent 43 years in prison for a triple murder he did not commit. He was exonerated and released from prison in November. The number of coyotes in Kansas has nearly tripled since the 1980s. Around ranches, farms, and homes, they're largely unwelcome. One response? Hunting them, sometimes competitively. The resilient canine keeps finding ways to survive, no matter what humans throw at it. This story includes the sound of gunfire and depictions of hunting animals. Brian Garrison is here. You just can't really see him. As the morning light creeps across this pasture, he sits motionless, covered in camo, reclining on a cushion next to a sagebrush. It's opening day of the Southwest Kansas Coyote Calling Contest in Kismet, and Garrison, his son, and a friend are competing with other teams to see who can call in and shoot the most coyotes, or coyotes as folks pronounce it around here. So with a shotgun in one hand and a remote in the other, he plays the role of DJ, spinning some of the coyote calling world's greatest hits. Here's a raccoon pup distress. Cottontail. Female coyote challenge. After about 15 minutes, there's a flash of gray 40 yards ahead. Garrison fires twice, but misses. The coyote disappears back into the brush. It's fun because it's, it's hard. You don't turn on a call and every coyote in the country come running to you. Calling contests mark just the latest chapter in a centuries-long war between humans and coyotes, as both species expand their range across the continent. And the coyotes are winning. Intelligent, resilient, and extremely adaptable, coyotes have thrived even as many other American mammals have declined or disappeared since European settlement. Cutting down forests just gave them more habitat. Exterminating wolves removed their chief rival. Now, they're the most common large predator in the country. So coyote callers figure that for every one they bring in, that's one less potential threat to livestock out on the range. <laughs> the next afternoon, teams line up coyote carcasses by the dozen on the grass behind City Hall. 53.2. They're counted, weighed, and remember, it's a competition. So to guard against cheating, kitchen thermometers measure if the bodies are still warm. Then they're checked for the right amount of rigor mortis. Finally comes James Kelly, a retired cop, the lie detector guy. He's strapped thousands of hunters to his polygraph over the years, many who have tried to break contest rules. But he says his special recipe of detailed questions sniffs out the cheats. The way that we ask the questions are more along the lines of a criminal act than just a generic, uh, we're just going to do polygraph for the heck of it. We're not doing polygraph for the heck of it. We're doing it for a specific goal to make sure that people aren't cheating. On this night, the winners pass the test. Altogether, the teams bring in a total of 83 coyotes. And that's just a drop in the bucket. Americans kill roughly a half a million coyotes each year. But coyote populations, well, they just keep getting stronger. Here's Kansas State University wildlife specialist Drew Ricketts. People always talk about how if there's a nuclear war or whatever, there's going to be cockroaches and rats left, and I always throw coyotes into that. 
Coyotes have expanded their territory by 40% since the 1950s, from the Alaskan tundra to the Florida coast to downtown Chicago. And all the while, humans have been trying to kill them, infecting them with diseases, tossing poisoned baits from snowmobiles, shooting them down from helicopters. Coyote, coyote. But coyotes have shown an uncanny knack for survival. They can live anywhere, eat almost anything. And Rickett says that when a bunch of coyotes are killed, the others just have bigger litters to make up for it. My little brother. The reasons that broad-scale population control of coyotes doesn't work all that well, those are also the reasons that make calling competitions sustainable. Meanwhile, coyote attacks continue to cost the Kansas cattle industry an estimated $4 million a year. A few years ago, they dragged off some of Bob Davies' calves at his ranch near Kismet. Yeah, right across the river over here. His response? Renaming that piece of land Coyote Pasture. After dealing with these wily canines for decades, he knows what he's up against. It's the coyotes' world now. We just live in it. They're going to survive, you know, no matter what we do. They're going to be around forever. <laughs> for the Kansas News Service, I'm David Condos in Kismet. Where will The Kansas News Service, based here at KCUR, reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Find more at ksnewsservice.org. The Kansas City, Kansas Police Department has been the center of a few recent controversies, including the long tenure of Roger Golubsky, a former detective accused of abusing black women and falsifying evidence. Now, KCUR has discovered that a federal grand jury investigating Golubsky has demanded records about other staff and incidents. KCUR's Peggy Lowe and Steve Vakrot covered that story for us, and Steve is here with me to talk about it. So first of all, can we remind people who is Roger Golubsky and why is he under investigation? So Roger Golubsky was a longtime employee of the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. Uh, He started there in about 1975. He worked there until he retired in 2010. Many of the latter years was spent as a detective. And where he really kind of came to light publicly was during a case involving a black man in Kansas City, Kansas, named Lamont McIntyre. McIntyre is, he was convicted of a double homicide in the mid-90s that it was later found that he did not commit. Roger Glubsky investigated that case. Uh, He was one of the detectives who investigated that case. And as a result of McIntyre being freed, he has now sued Golubsky and the unified government and several other uh, past, uh, past employees of the police department claiming, among other things, that Golubsky had a pattern and a practice of exploiting black women in Kansas City, Kansas for sex and uh, to help fix cases that he was investigating. And so he's being investigated in the course of the civil lawsuit, and it appears as though he may be uh, being investigated as part of uh, what the feds are looking into with, uh, with the probe that they're conducting with the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. CNN reported in October 
that uh, there was a criminal investigation launched into Golubsky. Prior to that, we had reported that the Kansas Bureau of Investigation uh, had done an investigation and referred the matter to uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And that's what we know now. So you've clearly been following this issue for a while. How did you come across this most recent story? I wanted to see if I could figure out what the grand jury was looking at. And so I filed a request for any public records uh, with the Unified Government of Wyandotte County in Kansas City, Kansas, asking for copies of the subpoenas, any subpoenas that were issued by a grand jury in connection with the Roger Golubsky case. And ordinarily, grand juries are supposed to be secret processes. However, you know, the Unified Government uh, last year had acknowledged that there had been an investigation since 2019 and that they were cooperating with it. And so given that they had publicly acknowledged it, I wanted to see if I could get the records. So can you say more about what the records turned up? Yes. So according to even these redacted copies that we got, we are able to glean from it that the grand jury has asked for uh, some two decades worth of certain homicide cases. And again, we don't know which homicide cases they're looking at, but they want to review investigative files and other records associated with several homicides. They want to get their hands on internal affairs reports. Uh, they want to see informant files, which are files that relate to people that police officers in Kansas City, Kansas used as uh, as informants in their cases. It is apparent that they are also seeking records related to five different police officers. Now, the names are redacted, so we can't say which officers it is. They are also looking for records associated with a single rape kit. So what does it mean that the grand jury has been seeking these records in particular? So what it means is that this is advanced beyond just a matter where the FBI is asking questions. So a grand jury on, in federal courts, and they exist in state courts, but they're used routinely in federal courts and in federal investigations. That is essentially where prosecutors are putting on evidence uh, and perhaps testimony before a grand jury, which meets in secret. And the grand jury exists to determine whether prosecutors have enough to bring uh, to charge a case. Uh, I should be clear that nobody has been charged uh, in connection to any investigation uh, in Kansas City, Kansas, in its police department. And so it does show that there is a process in motion to see if charges could be brought or an indictment could be brought. That's not to say it will be. We just don't know that yet. But we do know that that is something that has been going on uh, apparently as long as 2019. What has the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department said in response to this story? They have said that they are cooperating with the investigation, that they've provided the records that were sought uh, in the subpoenas. Um, they say that they've been cooperating since 2019. And they add that they are not aware of any current employee or member of the police department who um, has had to respond to any of these subpoenas. In other words, what they're suggesting is that whatever the 
grand jury is looking at involves people who worked there in the past. And what's next for this case? Do we know? Well, we don't. It's, it, it's a little hard to say, um, given you know the secretive nature of the grand jury. Sometimes things go before the grand jury and nothing ever happens. Sometimes charges happen. Um, so you know, it's a little bit of wait and see to see if anything comes of this. And if so, what it would look like. Um, the civil lawsuit filed by Lamont McIntyre, who I mentioned earlier, is ongoing. Uh, there have been people testifying in that case in depositions, which are, again, kind of closed doors. They're not, you know, it's not like in court where we can observe what's going on. Um, so those are the two main things that are ongoing with this case. There's been talk about whether the Justice Department should investigate the police department in, in a more broad sense, you know, to examine whether the police department in Kansas City, Kansas, which some in the community view as one that's not been held to account, uh, should be subject for kind of a broader civil rights investigation. Steve Vakrat is the investigative editor for NPR's Midwest Newsroom, based here at KCUR. You can read Steve and Peggy's story on the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department at KCUR.org. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read David's story about coyote hunting on our website, kcur.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear from the acting director of the Jackson County Health Department on COVID-19. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.